What's happening, everyone? Welcome to episode five of the What's Happening podcast with me, Adam Rowe. I hope you're all doing very well. Thanks for listening. It's been 18 months since episode four of this podcast was released. Yeah, so we're starting it up again. A lot of you have been asking me when I'm going to start podcasting again, so it's now. It's going to be a weekly podcast. It's going to be out every Sunday at the latest, but occasionally I will release it a day early on the Saturday like I am doing with this one. Uh, If you want to know what it's going to be, this podcast, basically just me having a chat, a rant about my week, anything I've seen in the news I want to talk about, if I've watched a TV program that I fancy talking about. It's just me having an opinion on some stuff. You know, that's what it is. It's my podcast, I'll do what the fuck I want with it. <laughs> You'll hear about me gigs, what I've done this week and the ones I've got coming up, any exciting announcements I'll always announce on here first. And that's it. It's called What's Happening because it's about what's happening. So I hope you're all good. I'm having a very good time at the minute, which is nice. Um, I've got some projects in the pipeline that I'm excited to share with you all very soon. Some of you will have seen recently, I announced that I was about to start a YouTube series called Club Comic, which was following me from gig to gig around the country. And I'm very excited to say the reason that has been delayed a bit, it is now being developed with some TV people for maybe release on TV as well as online. So that's why it's delayed, but it will still be out very soon on my socials and my YouTube channel. So do keep an eye out for that, but there's just been a slight delay because we've got some nice people interested in it, and that's always exciting. Also, I've got another podcast starting soon as well called Top 5, so keep an eye out for that. Top 5 will be me sat down with a guest talking about their top 5 favourite things in one of several fields. So if I sit down with another comedian, it might be their top five favourite comedians, why they like those people. If I sit down with like a, a rapper, it might be their top five favourite rappers or rap albums, something like that. But I think that'll just be interesting to see who people really admire in their chosen fields. And that'll be a different guest every week. So that's going to be quite cool. I'm just in the process of recording several episodes of that so that there's a, a backlog to release once i've recorded about 10 of them i'll start releasing them weekly yeah so keep an eye out for that and that's it we'll get into the podcast now i suppose um i'm currently having the one of the best weeks of my life a lot of you will have seen on all my social media i uh got to support one of my absolute comedy idols bill bear on his uk tour I opened for the man in Glasgow, Manchester, and two nights in London at the fucking Royal Albert Hall, and just genuinely life-changing gigs for so many reasons, and I've just got to say thank you to a few people for helping make that happen for me. I'd like to say thanks to Anna, Ian, Gordon, and everyone else at Live Nation who put me forward for the gigs. I'd like to say thanks to my agent, Christian and Jen and everyone else at CKP and Intertalent, my agency, just the best people in the world. And thanks to all things comedy, Bill Bear's company who looked after me so well backstage, just some of the nicest people I've ever worked with in my life. And to Bill himself, Bill Bear, like 
They say don't meet your heroes, man, but don't fucking listen to people. Absolute legend of a guy, so nice to me backstage. Uh, told me that he picked me himself, and when he told me that, my head fell off. I just had to go and screw it back on. And his new hour, or hour and 40 it is actually, that is going to be going, uh, is going to be released as his special, is just some of the best stand-up of all time. He's an absolute fucking hero, and when you see this new special shot in one of the best rooms in the world at the Royal Albert Hall, it's a genuine classic. And uh, he was cat on the Tuesday, I uh, on Tuesday this week. So we did the Royal Albert Hall on Monday and Tuesday, and on the Tuesday, I brought me best mate Carl and me dad down to London so that they could watch the show, see me at the Royal Albert Hall. It's a big gig, you know. <laughs> Probably never get to fucking step in the place ever again. Um, and I got to take me dad on stage before the show. I got a picture with me dad on stage at the Royal Albert Hall in front of an empty auditorium before anyone came in. And who else has got that picture? Do you know what I mean? With the dad. Me and, me and little Mick <laughs> on stage at the Royal Albert Hall. Just one of the, the best experiences of my life. And to, to see the pride in my dad's eyes in me was just really special for me. Um, and then after the after the show was done, Bill comes up to me and he's like, well done, uh, we, we've done it. And I asked him, would he meet me dad? And he's like, of course. So my dad's backstage. And Bill Bear goes over to me dad and says, your son's fucking hilarious. And my dad goes, oh, thank you. And Bill goes, that's not really a compliment to you. People aren't this good at comedy if their parents did a good job. <laughs> you must have you must have fucked them up a lot for him to be this good at it. Uh, and my dad's laughing his head off. I'm laughing my head off. And yeah. But just thank you to everyone who has helped me those, those gigs happen. I'll never forget them. And it's given me a proper confidence and happiness boost as a comic to, to, to have been picked for those gigs. And it's also given me like a hunger. Like I I want to work my ass off now so that I can be back with my show at the Royal Albert Hall. That's the that's the, the end game now. That's the dream. Get back to the Royal Albert Hall with my own show. Um yeah. And luckily luckily I, I was talking to Paul Smith another comedian mate of mine uh, just saying how amazing the gigs have been and he's like your next gigs are going to be shit <laughs> you can't go back to comedy clubs after playing those rooms but luckily he's he's slightly wrong because the rest of this month I've got one of the nicest months any UK comedian can have this weekend I'm at the Glee Club in Nottingham I'm actually recording this at uh, my hotel in Nottingham and I've just got to say, Nottingham, right, the gigs here are always great, but the city is fucking ridiculous. It's insane. I don't know who designed this place, but they should never have been in charge. It's like they built a city centre and then at the end realised they forgot to put a fucking train station in it. I don't know whether any of you guys have been here, but it's ludicrous. The The train station is about two and a half, three miles outside of the city centre. It's like, no. It's not where the train station goes. The train station should be like in Birmingham where it's in literally in the shopping centre. You should be able to get off the train and go and buy what you want to do. 
go and buy what you want to buy or do what you want to do in the city centre. I shouldn't have to fucking do a hike up one of the steepest hills in the fucking world to go and buy a pair of undies from Primark. It should be <laughs> right on the corner. And I actually, I tweeted that yesterday saying, like, Nottingham's ridiculous. I didn't realise people from Nottingham were so sensitive about this stuff. I got, like, ten tweets from people saying, well, if you don't like it, just fucking go. Just go back to Liverpool, you scouse prick. <laughs> like, mate, look, I like it here. I like the gigs. You've got some great comedy clubs. You've got some good theatres. Some of the shows in Nottingham are, are amazing. It's not my fault. Your city's got a shit layout. Fucking ring the mayor. It's not my fault. Um, Yeah, so I'm recording this Saturday afternoon. Done one show at the Glee Club in Nottingham last night. And another one tonight. Last night after the show, I had a woman come up to me who... Like, the, the audience was great, but she was... And she also did that thing where she's offended by a bit that she admits she found funny. So I won't ruin the bit I'm doing at the minute for anyone who's going to come and see me soon, but... I'm doing a routine about Victoria's Secret at the moment because they got in trouble for saying uh, they'll never have a transgender model and that they'll never have a fat model. And they got in a lot of trouble and I'm doing a routine about that. And uh, this woman comes up afterwards and she's like, the world needs to get more accepting and more diverse. And I, I think that includes Victoria's Secret hiring fat models. So, although I found your routine funny, and I understand what angle you're coming at it from, it is disgusting that they don't have any fat people modelling for Victoria's Secret. It's like, no, no, it's not. It, it's not. It that's it. Being fit as fuck is one of the qualifications you need to be a Victoria's Secret model. Turning up at Victoria's Secret and going, uh, well, you've got no fat people here, so is don't you think you should employ a few to fill a diversity quota? That's literally no... It's a job. You have to be qualified to do jobs. It's literally like... It's no different to turning up at an accountant's office and just going, uh, you've got no one here who can't count. Don't you think it would be more diverse to have people who can't count? The people who can't count deserve a chance to be accountants. It's like, no. Being ripped, being in unbelievable physical shape is one of the qualifications needed to be a fucking Victoria's Secret model. It's no one's right to be a Victoria's Secret model. They haven't recently changed it to you have to be fit as fuck and excluded fat people. It's always been the number one lingerie brand in the world. They hire tens did nines get laughed out the building at Victoria's Secret? There's there's people who've gone the whole life never having to buy a drink because they're so beautiful who will never, ever, ever work for Victoria's Secret. So, yeah. Um, I actually had a laugh with that woman. For someone who was upset by a routine, slightly, she actually had quite a good sense of humour about it. And at the end of it, I was like, look, I'm not changing the routine. I'm a comedian. I'll say what the fuck I want. And she actually respected that and... You know, that's <laughs> with someone who's got a bit pissed off at one of your jokes. That's about as good, as good a response as you can get at the end of it. Um, do you know what? I'm really happy at the minute. Those those big gigs, just the fact that I was given the nod for them, 
this is obviously quite a personal thing to say, I suppose, is, how can I put this without sounding like a wanker? I'm very competitive, and I often, I'm a, I'm a typical comedian in that I'm always worried that, I'm always seeking the validation of others. That's what comedians do. We get on stage and hope everyone laughs at us. And I'm always sort of vying for that acceptance and looking, how do I get to the next level? Trying to impress people and go and look at what I'm doing. Um, And I don't feel the need to do that at the minute. I don't, I feel accepted and happy just by doing those gigs. I feel like the fact that I was picked for them is just really giving me mental health and me, me self-esteem a massive boost. And I'm just the happiest I've been in a while at the minute. Um, Yeah, in a very good mood. <laughs> so, couple, what, one more thing I'd like to thank people for, actually, is um, thank you to everyone who has already booked tickets to see me at the M&S Bank Arena in Liverpool in October, uh, formerly the Echo Arena. I'm doing my tour show there on Friday the 4th of October. We've sold hundreds and hundreds of tickets already, and I'm just blown away by the support for that. It's the biggest solo show I've ever done, and I'm just humbled by it. The tickets are still on sale. You can get them from hotwatercomedy.co.uk and the M&S Bank Arena website. Also... Uh, we will be announcing a full tour soon. So the Liverpool date is already on sale and my Edinburgh Fringe tickets are already on sale. But if you're anywhere else in the UK, I will be coming to your city too and they'll go on sale very soon. I'd just like to say, I'm not coming to these little satellite places near big cities. Like, I had someone ask me to go to like Bedford Art Centre or Bromley. And it's like, mate, you're too close to London, okay? If I'm getting the fucking train down from Liverpool to London, you can get the tube, eight stops, take you 20 minutes and come and watch me. We'll be doing a very big show in London. So I need everyone near London to come into London to that. Um, I'll be coming to all the major cities in the UK. Uh, There was a couple we missed off last year's tour, like Bristol, for example, and Durham. And they will be on this year's tour. And obviously I did all the main ones like Glasgow, uh, Newcastle, Birmingham, Manchester, Leeds. All of those sorts of places I will be coming back to this year. I'm also going to be doing some dates out in the US. I'm going out there next month to New York and LA to do some spots. And we are currently working on putting a couple of tour dates in there for later this year or early next year as part of my new tour, which is called Pinnacle. And also, I'll be going out to Dubai as well. There's going to be some dates out in the Middle East, which I'm very excited about. And if you just follow me on all the social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, you will see announcements for that. And obviously, I'll announce it on the podcast as well at some point. um, I think that's pretty much all the announcements for this week. Tour, done. Bill Bear, thank yous, done. Yeah, that's it. The so every week on this podcast, there's going to be there's going to be one main thing that is sort of the topic of that episode, and also so this is what I'd like from you is 
I'd like some obscure news stories to talk about. I love one of my favorite things is like when you see a little story that not everyone knows about, but it's just funny or interesting. So every week, do me a favor, tweet me at Adam Row Comedy. If you've seen any little stories that haven't necessarily gone viral or national that you think are interesting, or any that have that you want me to talk about, uh, I will discuss them each week on the podcast. I'll have a little chat about whatever you want me to do. Um, Or if there's anything else you want me to talk about, tweet me. I just want content for the podcast, really. I just want to sort of talk about stuff that you guys want me to talk about. And then every episode... There will also be something that I want to talk about. And this week, I'm going to talk about Michael Jackson is a nonce again. Can't believe it. 2019, this man has gone from absolute icon to nonce and back again four or five times now over the past 30 years. (laughs) And it looks like after all, it looks like he, he, he might have been a nonce all along. I'm obviously talking about the brand new documentary that aired in the UK and the US over the last week called Leave and Netherland. Never? Never. Leave and Neverland. Uh, in which, if you haven't seen it, it's two boys who spent a lot of time with Michael Jackson when they were younger as children are now claiming that he... He nonced them, that he he sexually abused them when they were very, very young. And obviously this isn't the first couple of kids who've said this about Michael Jackson. So it doesn't look good, does it? It really doesn't look good. And so it was split into two episodes. What can I say without being too offensive? First of all, I've seen tweets about this saying, oh, you shouldn't blame the parents. That's horrendous. Fuck that, okay? These these people were letting their children stay in bed with a, a 34-year-old who looked and sounded like Michael Jackson, okay? So they, they've got to take a little bit of the blame. You can't, you can't absolve them of all blame just because... <laughs> you don't want to make them feel any worse than they already do. They fucked up a bit, okay? No, th- I don't care how famous you are. No 34-year-old man will ever be having my child stay in a fucking bed with them. It's just not going to happen. I don't give a shit. And it's quite striking how there doesn't seem to be any anger or upset, particularly in the Australian mother, the, the Wade Robson's mother. She doesn't seem angry. She just seems... I don't know. This is a little bit unfair. I don't know the woman, I suppose, but... I don't believe her. Is that okay to say? I don't believe that she's upset or surprised by this. I feel like... If it did happen... She always sort of knew. But... She's seen it as a price to pay for... Fame... Or something... That was my opinion from watching it anyway. I'm probably wildly wrong. And I haven't researched. I don't I don't know much about this woman other than what I've seen in the documentary. But that's what it came across as to me. She seems... She doesn't seem angry. She seems to be remembering times with Michael Jackson fondly to me. And 
to see people saying you can't blame her at all for what happened, that's just fucking absolute bollocks to me. It's like, yeah, I didn't really, I didn't really think anything of it. I didn't think it was a problem leaving him for my son for a week. She left him for a week and went to the fucking Grand Canyon on holiday and left her seven-year-old child with Michael Jackson to stay in the same bed. I just... She takes some of the blame, okay? And before... So before I watched this documentary, before I watched both episodes, I was very firmly in the camp of... Michael Jackson was a weird lunatic. But I don't think he did anything sexual with children. I thought, you know... I thought he had a very strange relationship and I, I wouldn't have certainly put my children in bed with him, but I wasn't sure that he'd ever done anything sexual with these people, with these children. And I, that was basically from everything else I'd seen and the fact that there'd been vigorous, vigorous, vigorous investigations into this man and they'd all yielded nothing in the past. Um, so that's where that's the camp I sat in before these two episodes of this documentary came out. And then, halfway through episode one, I'm sort of starting to go, this makes sense. Because in the past, I've sort of been ignorant of what sexual abuse would have been, and that he would have just been basically bumming children backstage. And it's not like that. It's not presented like that, is it? It was presented in a way of, this is he basically showed them how to masturbate and then did it for them and asked him to ask them to do it for him so that makes a lot more sense to me than what my ideas of what this man had done were before this episode so i was like yeah this and i i, I believed the lads the two lads in the documentary they they're very believable in how they present this so and I think we're we're at a stage where, you know, we've got to start believing people when they say they've been assaulted rather than just dismissing it and saying things like, well, why have you waited so long to come out? Why have you waited? It's because they, they were abused and they feel embarrassed and ashamed and stuff like that. That that's that's what abuse does to you. You feel like it's you've you've done it to yourself, like it's your fault. Also, you know, I've never been abused, so I, I don't I don't really know the thing that like the the intricacies of how it affects you mentally. But yeah, you, you, we we do need to start believing people, but at the same time, an accusation does not equal guilty. And it never can, because people will always lie for various reasons. Obviously, a lot of people who are Michael Jackson fans think that these two lads are doing this purely for money. And maybe they are. Maybe they are, but... I... During episode one, I felt myself starting to believe these guys. So... I don't know, and maybe they're not going to get... Like, I know they they were not paid for the documentary, which is quite important... But obviously, if they go on to get a book deal or massive interview exposure from this, then they will earn money from it. So it could be for that. But at the same time, they're also going to get fucking sued by the Michael Jackson estate. That is going to happen. They could end up completely fucked by this. Um, 
So it is a gamble. They're, they're not guaranteed any money from it. And then, so I watched episode two, and to see the the, the moment where I genuinely thought, right, I believe this lad 100%, there's no doubt in my mind anymore, was when Wade Robson talked about having his own son and how he's talking about he has, like, anxiety dreams and daydreams where he, he can imagine Michael Jackson doing to his son what Michael Jackson done to him and the, the anger and rage it fills him with. I believe him. He, he doesn't look like a man who's making that up to me. And, yeah, I'm now firmly in the camp that Michael Jackson was probably a nonce, was probably a very, very, very bad man. And listen, if you're a Michael Jackson fan, listening to this, who's like, oh, he's totally innocent, totally and completely innocent, then fair enough, you know, if if you if you can't accept that one of your heroes has done all this stuff, I I sort of empathise with you because it's hard to, to deal with that. Um... But what you have to admit is he's definitely a fucking weird cunt, isn't he? Like, he's definitely weird. And what I'd like you to think about is, can you imagine if this was another celebrity or one of your neighbours who all this definitely happened with? Not not like the accusations. I mean the stuff that Michael Jackson admits to. Sleeping in bed with children, asking them to stay over, trying to befriend children rather than adults. If all of that had happened with someone who lives four doors away from you in your streets, are you honestly telling me you'd be like, oh, yeah, it's fine, <laughs> totally, yeah, completely understandable. That's what he does. He just sleeps with kids, doesn't he? No, he doesn't touch them. He just wants to watch Home Alone with them. Like, you, you, <laughs> you can't honestly tell me that you wouldn't think that that guy is a fucking weirdo and probably a nonce. That's what... The things people get called a nonce for on Twitter. I got called a nonce by my best mate recently because I told him my favourite crisps were Worcester sauce. It's like nonce behaviour, that lad. They're the last ones you leave in the multi-pack. I've been called a nonce for eating Worcester sauce crisp and there's people saying Michael Jackson probably isn't a nonce even though he slept with children for years. I, I, if this was any other celebrity, it'd be case closed. Imagine if this was like fucking Duncan from Blue. Yeah, Duncan from Blue. Yeah, people accused him of touching kids. Oh, have you got any evidence? Well, not really. I mean, he did sleep in his bed with children for decades. Like, they always were there. He was always holding the hands of children. There was always a child on every tour with him. So, that's the evidence we've got. That's the very basic of it. So, what do you think? Do you think he's not... Well, you know, All Rise is a fucking belter of a tune, mate. So, I don't believe it. Because, you know, I'm not going to stop listening to One Love based on the fact he slept with kids. That's another issue, isn't it? Is what do we do with Michael Jackson's music now? Like, do we all stop listening to it? If you believe he's a nonce, I'm talking. If you believe he's a paedophile and he touched children, can you still listen to Michael Jackson's music? I don't know. For, for a long time, I've sort of... It was up until this week, actually. I've always been a believer in separate the art from the artist. Because people who are creative and often creative geniuses are very flawed people who 
are going to do bad things sometimes. And I always thought, well, you're going to miss out on some of the best art in the world if you don't separate art from artists. That's where I sat up until this week. And it was on another podcast um, where my eyes were opened to this not necessarily always being the case. So what I was sort of saying was, for example, Michael Jackson... Even if you believe he's a nonce, can you can you still enjoy listening to Billy Jean or Thriller or anything like that? And I always thought, yeah, you can, because it's still a great song. It doesn't matter that you know he's a horrendous, evil, manipulative person. The song's still good. And someone said to me, it was a, a Ola, Ola the comedian. So go and follow that guy, fucking belted of a comic. Um, he said, yeah, but that's just because it doesn't affect you. What Michael Jackson did doesn't affect you. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, well, he said, who's your favourite artist? And I said, it's Eminem. And he said, well, if Eminem made jokes about the Hillsborough disaster or sort of referenced it in one of his songs in a derogatory way, could you then go and listen to Eminem and just separate the art from the artist? And I had to sit back and say, my answer's honestly no. I couldn't. If he became that person, I would never listen to his music ever again. And that's because it directly affects me. So, you know, <laughs> especially people who've been a victim of sexual abuse, I don't think they'll ever listen to Michael Jackson again based on what these guys are saying. Um, and I think I'm going to have to not do it as well. Maybe, I don't fucking know. I, yeah, I, I don't think I can because my eyes have been opened to... I'd, I'd be if Eminem did that I would be encouraging people to not listen to Eminem because of who he is as a person so how can I then sit here and go oh yeah but I'm just going to separate the art from the artist with Michael Jackson when you know he's done literally the worst thing a human being can do which is take the lives and innocence away from children so yeah just like to add a caveat, I don't think Duncan from Blue is a nonce. <laughs> that was just a a random pluck from the sky. Uh, yeah, so this podcast is in no way accusing Duncan from Blue of being a paedophile. Um, yeah, just Michael Jackson. I reckon he might be. I reckon there's evidence to suggest it's possible that Michael Jackson did things with children that he shouldn't have done. And obviously, I don't really know what's gonna. I don't think we'll ever find out the truth. Do you know when? I th- do you know what I think would be a hammer blow to this? If Macaulay Culkin ever came out and said, "Actually, he fucked me as well," or tried to, that's when people will go, "Oh, we believe you," and that's because he's famous too. It's weird. It's weird the way fame plays a role in this stuff, because. That would be different for some reason, and I don't know why, but we all just know that it fucking would. He was such a big part of his defence, as was Wade Robson uh, in the 2005 allegations or the 2005 case. And, yeah, I think if Macaulay Culkin ever came out and said that he did it to him, we would all go, yeah, well, he definitely did then. So we're just basically waiting for a celebrity to come out and say it. But he repeatedly says he never, and so does Corey Feldman, who's another... Corey Feldman is an American child actor now, I believe he's like 47 or something, who, 
You know, he's repeatedly said that there's massive paedophile rings in Hollywood and that he was abused as a child by several people, but repeatedly has said that Michael Jackson never did anything to him and that they were friends. So, we'll, we'll I don't think we'll ever find out the truth of what's happened here and there'll just be a massive debate about it for years and years and years and years and years, and years unless some absolutely empirical undeniable evidence comes out it's just going to constantly be whether he was a paedophile or not it's very important to say though that these he's been through two trials one of which he paid off which some people seen as an admission of guilt and some people seen as the exact opposite because we'll put it this way if my child had been touched by Michael Jackson. There isn't enough money in the world that he could give me to make me go away from suing the fucking cunt. Like, there's nothing. There's nothing he could pay me to make me go away. So, I think that that. <laughs> but at the same time, if if someone said to me, "Well, if I if I got famous and someone was like, well, you fuck my kid,' I would fight that. I, I would not at any point, even if my lawyers were like, it will cost you more to fight it." I would have fought it rather than paid someone off. So I do see that from both sides. And the 2005 one, you know, like the the case that was built against them in 2005, literally every single part of that case was pulled apart. Literally every single one. So, yeah, I just don't fucking know. I know that's a sort of sit-on-the-fence ending to that bit of chat about that, but... I'm in the camp now that he's probably a paedophile, but I don't know. I don't fucking know. Let me know what you think. Let me know what you think. Or if you think there's some evidence that I haven't seen that would make me swing one way or another with this, send it to me. Tweet me at Adam Rowe Comedy or send it to me Instagram, which is Adam Rowe Comedian and Facebook's just Adam Rowe. So let me know what you thought of... Also, you can email me if you want, which is adamrowcomedy at gmail.com. Email me and let me know what you thought of the Leaving Neverland documentary. Yeah. Probably an Anthony. Anyway, um, just before we go into the final section of the podcast... So what I'm going to do every week is, at the very end, I will talk about Liverpool Football Club. I, I know a lot of my followers are Liverpool fans and have followed me from my work with the Red Men TV. Shout out to Ross, Paul, Chris, Tom, and everyone else at the Red Men TV. They've been very good to me and give me a, a platform to talk about the footy. And yeah, so I, I think it'd be a shame if I don't talk about, you know, Liverpool Football Club, such a huge part of my life, so I will talk about Liverpool, but I'll do it at the end of every episode, so if you're not into footy, you can just leave before, you can just stop listening to the podcast when I get to the last bit, and if you only want to get listen to the footy, you can just fast forward to the end bit, so it'll always be the last part of the show, the last section, the Liverpool stuff, but before that, ladies and gentlemen, before we get to the final bit of the show, I've got... My very first podcast sponsor. Yes. So, this is exciting, isn't it? This episode is brought to you by our very first sponsor, which is Jade Made. 
Jade Made create bright and colourful patterned book sleeves to protect your books whilst travelling around. They stop your books from getting scuffed and ripped around the edges from being thrashed around your bag, keeping them as close to the condition you bought them in as possible. Jade Made also offer a selection of notebooks created from rebound book covers, ranging from vintage novels to children's Disney books, meaning there's something for absolutely everyone in your life. Unless they, it's someone who doesn't want a fucking notebook, I suppose. Um, <laughs> head to jademadeuk.etsy.com and use the promo code ROW15. That's R-O-W-E-1-5, all capital letters, to get 15% off your first order, which is sound, isn't it? Uh, also, you'll get free UK shipping if you spend over £20 during the month of March, which is cool. Um, so that's jademadeuk.etsy.com. J-A-D-E-M-A-D-E-U-K dot E-T-S-Y dot com. And the promo code is ROW15. ROW, all capital letters, R-O-W-E. Number one, number five. And you can also find Jade Made on Instagram, which is at Jade Made UK. And they're really good. I don't fucking read, but uh, I've actually got a couple of these book sleeves myself for me notebooks because I, I love a notebook. I get turned on by stationery. So, yeah. Head to Jade Made, check them out, order some stuff. And thank you very much to Jade Made for being my very first sponsor. That's it. Now, um, Liverpool Football Club stuff. We have got Burnley tomorrow at Anfield. I look, we've got to fucking win this game. I have got a bit of a lot of support and a bit of flack recently on Twitter from Liverpool fans because I'm very firmly in the camp of we're doing okay. We're not bottling anything. Premier League games are tough to win. It's not just a case of Oh, we'll just go out and batter everyone. Um, there's a lot of fans who think we're throwing the title away as if we've got a divine right to it. And I don't agree with any of that, okay? I think we've had a fucking unbelievable season. And we just need to stay calm and support the fucking team. If they draw away to Everton, if they draw with Leicester, if they draw with West Ham, shit happens. It just You've just got to get on with it. And saying that the team are bottling it and throwing things away doesn't help absolutely anyone. That That's where I'm at. However, we've got to win tomorrow's game. I will be upset with this team and with Jürgen Klopp and everything if we don't go out and make a statement tomorrow. We're at Anfield. Burnley lost the last game. They've not had a great season. You know, we've got pretty much full-strength team available Apart from Gomez, who's still out, obviously. He's a massive miss. But I'd imagine the team will be Allison, Trent, Matip, Van Dijk, Robertson. And I'd love to see Keita back in midfield tomorrow. Keita, Fabinho and Wijnaldum for me. And then, obviously, the front three, Salah, Fabinho, Mane. Yeah, that, that's what it's got to be tomorrow. I expect us to go out, score a few goals, three. I'd like to get a 3-0 win. That'd be nice. The crowd needs to be up for it. i seen that Jürgen said everyone needs to just go to bed early tonight and not have a drink, and I agree with him. Let's get everyone there as early as possible. Make some fucking noise. A 12 o'clock kick-off on a Sunday doesn't exactly scream atmospheric, does it? But, 
we, we need to be supporting this team between now and the end of the season. And I, I, I call me a dreamer, but I still think we're going to do it. I still think we're going to win this title. I think we will pit Man City. I think Man City are going to lose today. This will probably come back to bite me in the ass, But I do. I think they're going to lose at home 2-1 to Watford today. And we'll see whether that's right in a couple of hours. Um, and I also think they might drop points to Palace and Manchester United. So there's depth. And I think both teams are going to drop points between now and the end of the season. And whoever comes second this year won't have bottled the title. They'll have just lost to a slightly better team. But both sides are fucking incredible. Um, yeah. We're in the title race. Let's try and enjoy it a bit more rather than it ruining our year. What would you rather be? Would you rather be an Everton fan season over in November? Absolutely nothing to fight for other than a nil-nil in the derby. Like, come on. We're in an unbelievable position. We, we, <laughs> we've been waiting for this for years. Years and years and years of mediocrity and nonsense. And fighting for fourth. We're fighting for first now. We're going to be in the top four this season. That would have been enough a few years ago. If we finish second to this Man City team, it's a huge achievement in itself. Back these boys. And then obviously in the summer, you'd expect us to go out and build on what has been an incredible season. And You know, I think we're going to sign a centre-back this year. And I know some of you will have seen that interview with delight. The, uh, the Ajax centre-half... Who's a he's a prodigy, and he he's going to be a world class centre back, and he's saying that he wouldn't mind coming to Liverpool and playing with Van Dijk, and I think that'd be good for the Netherlands, the Netherlands team as well. If we've got their two first choice centre backs for the next ten years playing together at Liverpool, what a partnership they could build. So let's hope his advisors tell him to tell Madrid to go and fucking swivel. And that he comes to play his football at Anfield alongside Big Virgil. What a rotation of three centre-backs. That'll be Van Dijk, Delight and Gomez. Yeah. So that that's the summer. That's the summer priority for me is getting a centre-back sorted and also some genuine competition for that front three. Because, you know, I love all three of them, but there's been a couple of games this season where they're misfiring and there's no competition for them. Shaqiri's done a decent job, but he's never going to come in and take the position of Sadio Mane or Salah. Neither of them are going to ever lose their place regularly to Zaydan Shaqiri. It's just not going to happen. So there needs to be someone who's pushing for that regular first-team spot. And On those games where we have to rest Sadio Mane or we have to rest Salah and we've got an option on the bench where we actually don't feel like the team has been massively weakened. Like, look at Manchester City. You know, De Bruyne is out injured today. They'll just put Bernardo Silva in. Or David Silva. What what a replacement that is. It doesn't seem like the team's been massively weakened and we need that option. So in the summer there, the priorities for me are centre-back and a back-up to the front three because the midfield, we've got so many options in there now. So, yeah, that's what I want to see in the summer. Delight would be wonderful. And there's a lot of wingers we could look at. I'll discuss that on next week's episode. Obviously, before next week's episode of this podcast comes out... Um, we will have played Burnley and also we will have played Bayern Munich away. So let's just touch on that momentarily. Um, look, I expect us to win in Munich. 
I do. <laughs> I know I sound very optimistic about all of our chances, but I do. I think they'll come out and attack us a bit more than they did at Anfield. I think we'll be in slightly better form. The travelling fans to Europe are always amazing. I know we haven't won away in Europe yet this season, but I think we're going to do it. I think we'll win 2-1. 2-1 away at Bayern Munich. I think we'll get into the next round. And I think we're going to be drawn against an English team. I'm not one for conspiracy theories a lot of the time, but I do think that some of these draws are slightly nudged in the direction that UEFA wants. And I think we might be giving City again. You know, I think we might. I'd rather have United, though. Two legs against United in the Champions League. Those Europa League games were incredible. Imagine getting United at Anfield. Second leg at Anfield under the lights. What a game that would be. And what a result for them, by the way. You know, I fucking hate Man United. Like, genuinely, from the bottom of my heart, despise them. Love Manchester. Genuinely love gigging in Manchester. I think it's a great city. But fucking hate Man United. Because I'm supposed to. And I'm allowed to say that because you guys fucking hate Liverpool Football Club. Um, What a win. I don't even care that it wasn't handball. Like, it wasn't handball. The VAR ref decision was... I don't know how he's come up with that, but it doesn't matter. What a fucking win. What a way to do it. What a penalty from Rashford. Emphatic. Do you know what? On a rare occasion, I'll do this fair play to Manchester United. Fair fucks to you. Um, I hope we see you in the next round. I genuinely do. Um, I didn't see you getting through, but there we go. I, I think... I'd I'd love to draw United in the next round, but let's let's concentrate on Munich first. Get through that, and also let's just let's just sort this out before we wrap this shit up. I've seen someone suggest Gary Neville suggested as well that Liverpool should intentionally go out against Bayern Munich, go out of the Champions League to focus on the Premier League. I would like to say to anyone suggesting that, go fuck yourself. No, we went out the FA Cup, we went out the League Cup and I genuinely didn't care about either of them because we've got bigger fish to fry, okay? You do not go out of the Champions League on purpose. You don't fucking do it. You don't do it. We're European royalty. We've won this thing five times. There's Bayern Munich have won it five times too. There's there's a handful of teams in, in the same league when it comes to European competition as Liverpool, there's no one else in England who's who's like us with this. You do not go out of the Champions League on purpose. Look, I would rather, if given the choice, would you rather see Liverpool win the Premier League or the Champions League this season? I would rather us win the Premier League. I've never seen that happen. I've seen what happened in 2005. I've never seen us win the league. I would obviously prefer us to do that. I'm not giving up a shot at the Champions League for it, though. I just wouldn't do it. Like, you, it's a it's a very small mentality to do that. I, our squad is not as thin as it has been in the past. We've got players who can come on and make a difference. Okay, we we can't be thinking like that at all. You've got to go for both competitions all the way to the fucking end. And you know what? I think we'll get. I think we'll get to the semis in the Champions League at least this season, and we'll see how we get on from there. Um, and I think we'll win the title. I'm backing us. I'm a, 
a Liverpool fan, a Liverpool supporter, and I fucking support this team. And I hope if you're you class yourself as a Liverpool fan, you are too. No more of this bottling shit. Get behind the team between now and the end of the season. Make some fucking noise. Support them. Th- those last few games, if we're still in title contention and Champions League contention, the bus receptions are going to be insane. Let's show the fucking world what we're about as Liverpool fans and stop having this small mentality of let's just focus on one competition. No, let's not. The best teams in Europe focus on the league and the European competition. The domestic cup is is a an afterthought. If you can win that as well, incredible. But you, you don't you don't throw away shots at Champions League titles. You just don't fucking do it. And I don't want to hear any of that fucking bullshit again. Okay, let me just read this one more time. And then we're done. And I'll see you all next week. So, thank you so much to our first ever sponsor, Jade Made. Head to jademadeuk.etsy.com and use the promo code ROW15. That's R-O-W-E, all capitals, and the number one and the number five to get 15% off your first order. And you'll also get free UK shipping if you spend 20 quid during the month of March. Thanks a lot for listening. Do us a favour. Um, if you have enjoyed this, just share it round. The more listens I get, the more sponsors I get, the more good content I can create for you guys. Every bit of money I make from these uh, online projects, so this, the YouTube show, the other podcast, we'll just go back into making more content for you guys to watch and listen to. Um, thanks very much. Head to my YouTube channel. Hit subscribe on that, please. So that is youtube.com slash Comedy. Subscribe on SoundCloud. Subscribe on iTunes to this. Uh, follow me on Twitter, Adam Rowe Comedy. Follow me on Instagram, at Adam Rowe Comedian. Uh, and go and like my Facebook page, which is just Adam Rowe. And they've all got blue ticks, so you'll know you're following the right one. Uh, that's it. I'll speak to you all next week. Have a boss week. And I'll see you soon. Thanks for listening. This has been the What's Happening Podcast, Episode 5 with Adam Rowe.